This is Brain Diet, a life coaching podcast, episode number 88. I'm Taylor Ann Macy, and you are listening to Brain Diet, where we feed your brain good information. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Brain Diet. We are on episode 88. Isn't that fun? 88 episodes. We are celebrating episode 88 today by talking about control and about food and control of food. Are you with me? Do you feel like you are out of control around food? If you feel that way, I got you. I'm coming at you with some really good stuff today that I think will be helpful if you fall into this category, if you notice yourself feeling this way around food. So let's talk about it. We can take two mental approaches when it comes to food and control. There are two different ways that we can approach food, and I will break both of those ways down for you today. And in between those approaches, I'm going to teach you four steps to get you from one mental approach to the other. Four steps to take when you feel like you are out of control around food. So first, let's start with some common phrases that people use when they are describing food. People say things like, I just couldn't resist it. I just can't help myself. They were so good. I couldn't stop. Oh, this specific dessert, this is my weakness. I caved. I gave in. Think about the phrase out of control. Initially, when I think of that phrase, I think of the like the Tasmanian devil, right? That's just like buzzing around or a room full of toddlers even where there's chaos. Okay, that's in my head what I had initially thought about this idea of out of control. But think about you as a person. If you had a tank within you filled with how much control you had, if you feel out of control, It would be like being out of gas. It would be like a statement of fact. Like I am out of my control resources. My ability to control has been depleted. All of these phrases that I've shared with you are based in this idea that I am out of my ability to control. Therefore, I have none. And I am at the mercy of something else. Okay. Now these phrases sound really innocent, but I want you to really think about them as we continue to dissect them a little bit, because the person thinks that when they are saying these things, they are referring to the food. They think that they're saying, I just can't resist the chocolate. I gave into the cookie. I caved for the donut. I couldn't stop because the dessert was so good. However, with a dialogue like this, you are giving power and credit to something inanimate. You are thinking that the food has power over you to the point where you are powerless against it. That's why these phrases can be so sneaky, because they immediately take away your power just based on how you are thinking about this inanimate thing that's sitting in front of you. But if you think in literal terms here, a frosted sugar cookie is a thing that is sitting in front of you. It is not your weakness. It is not irresistible. It isn't something that you give in to. It is just a specific combination of ingredients found in the world. And then you are having a thought about that combination of ingredients in which you give it power. You with me? When you say something like, I couldn't resist, what you are actually referring to is your own internal desire. 
What you think you can't resist is your desire and not the food. You think you have an inability to resist your own desire, regardless of the food, separate from the food, which of course, when you are resisting your own desire, you're using willpower. You're working against yourself. And we run out of willpower really quickly. When you have a desire for something and you're trying to like force it away by resisting it, it compounds it. It makes it grow and it makes it more intense. And that's why we eventually give in, not because the food is irresistible, but because we are resisting our own desire for it. So resistance to your own desire, it looks like, oh, I want that. We have that come up for us. Oh, I want that. And then, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I can't, I can't, I can't, it's bad. So notice how that feels. It's like you have this initial desire that isn't necessarily a problem, but when you start to have the dialogue about that desire that looks like I shouldn't, I can't, it's bad, I shouldn't feel this way, you feel powerless. I think about it like this. Have you ever been to those bounce houses or like those... um trampoline parks they have stuff like this where you can tie a big thing around your waist and it's like a jump uh bungee cord what am I trying to say it's it's a bungee cord right where you like try to run as far as you can with the bungee cord against the wall and you like pull against it pull against it and you see you couldn't run farther then eventually the bungee cord like flings you back do you know what I'm talking about that's what I picture in my head when we approach our desire like this it's like if you have this desire that's like around your waist, right? This band that is around your waist. Am I sounding so dumb with this like analogy? It makes sense in my head. Hopefully you guys are with me. But when you have that around your waist and you're just standing there, there's no tension. It's not a problem. You're not working against something. But when you like run away from the wall that it's attached to, you create tension in that. And you have to work against, you have to exert energy to work against that, to keep that tension, right? That's what happens when we are resisting our own desire. So these phrases that I've mentioned you only say these things about food that you have desire for. Tomato sauce is another combination of ingredients, but you don't often find yourself saying the same things about tomato sauce, even though it is also just a combination of ingredients in the world. The reason you say these things is not because of the food, it's because of your desire for a specific food. So let's talk about this. If you have desire for something, if you have a desire for a specific food, if you have a greater desire for some foods over other foods, which we all have, it is because of you, not the food. It's because of your own brain that you have desire for food. And if you didn't have a brain, but you still had a body, you wouldn't desire those foods. Desire is created from our brain with how we think about food and how we relate to food. And you could be bathing in a chocolate river, but if you didn't have a brain, you wouldn't feel anything about it. If you loved chocolate, you could be swimming in that chocolate river if you didn't have a brain and you wouldn't be feeling any desire for it, right? Right out of Willy Wonka, you feel me? Desire comes from within you and whatever is within you, all of that desire that's within you is infinitely easier to manage than what is outside of you. Because if you are running around trying to avoid certain foods because you think the food is the problem that you can't resist it, that's hard to control. There are always going to be really nice people that bring us cookies and there are always going to be really nice people that bring in treats to work. And there are always going to be people that are putting things in front of us, even if we don't want them necessarily. If we think the food is the powerful part, we're screwed. So you know how when I was thinking about what out of control meant, I was thinking of a group of toddlers in a room, how that might be quite chaotic. Toddlers all in a room, they are outside of us. And it's true. A group of toddlers are often outside our realm of physical control. In fact, every person is. Did you know this? We can't control people. Were you aware of this? This was such a mind-blowing truth to me. <laughs> we can't control other people. And that's not a problem. But regardless, the things outside of us, whether it's toddlers or people or otherwise, we can't control. 
If someone brings us cookies, we can't control that, but we can control ourselves. We can manage our minds and our desire. We have charge over our brains. And when we can harness that charge that we have over our brains, we don't have to run and hide from the foods. Instead, we can be anywhere around any food. And if we manage what's happening inside of us, we are in complete control. Now, again, please do not confuse this managing your mind and having charge over your brain with willpower. That is not what I'm talking about because that is also miserable and very difficult to deal with. And I will get to more of that in a minute. But when you are operating in this way where you believe that you are powerless to food or that food has control over you, you are operating from one of two mental approaches to food, a victim focus. When you have these thoughts that you are powerless to food, that something is irresistible to you, that you have no control, you are essentially identifying as a victim to something. We have no control. Therefore, we are a victim to something. This is what I've been describing. And there is this nothing I can do about it mentality. I am at the mercy of food. I have no control over it. It just happens. And I'm not necessarily saying that we deliberately choose this mental approach. It's not something that we wake up one day and we're like, you know what? I want to be a victim to food. I feel like that's kind of the vibe I'm feeling today. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just a series of thoughts and beliefs that some of us have picked up over the course of our lives and have never really questioned them. So it's okay if you have thought these things, if you believe these things, this is what this is for. This whole episode is to bring some awareness to maybe what you're currently believing that we can start to question. Like, wait a minute, am I actually powerless to food? Is something actually irresistible? Or is it just something that I have a desire for? The best news in all of this is that whatever you believe about food is just a series of thoughts. And you don't have to keep thinking them if you don't want to. So if we can draw some attention to that today, hopefully that will create a position for you to decide, wait a minute, how do I want to think when I'm around food? If you have had this thought of I am out of control, If you're around food and you're just like, I feel like I'm out of control, I want to share with you four tips to try that can take you from this victim approach to food to what I will share with you later is the end goal, the place that I think is much more empowering when it comes to food. These tips are designed to be implemented in the moment when you're eating and you're simultaneously believing this thought that your brain is offering you that you're out of control. Have you had those moments where you're eating and you just feel like you're completely out of control? These four tips are what I want you to implement, to consider, and to have in your back pocket. Tip number one is breathe. It sounds so simple, right? But when we are acting impulsively, it's usually pretty fast. It's usually quickly and without interruption. So even taking one breath can frustrate that primal brain that thrives on speed. When you are eating and you feel like it's out of your control, it's almost animal-like, right? Well, we have this animal part of our brain, this primal brain, that just lives in the moment, what tastes good now, what feels good now. And so there is no room for a pause if you just had this primal brain. But when you consciously take one breath, it can be the difference between continuing unconsciously and completely stopping. One breath can be the difference between two totally different trajectories. Breathing can bring you from unconscious to conscious. One simple breath can do that. It can give you just a little bit of space to be like, oh, okay, this is where I am and this is what's happening. So if you're eating and you're thinking the thought, I'm out of control, I would encourage you to pause and just take one breath. That's all it takes. Just create a little bit of space. Tip number two is to interrupt the moment. Meaning, and this kind of ties into tip number one, but they work together very harmoniously, I would say, is think about this. If someone comes to your house and gifts you lovingly with a tray full of cookies, 
Again, that your favorite cookies. I like imagine it's like your favorite thing that come and gifted to you. The cookies have no power over you. But you have a thought about these cookies like, oh, these are my weakness. And you start to feel desire for these cookies. Yeah. In the sequence of how our brain operates, if we feel an emotion, we act from it. Like think about anything in your life. If you're feeling happy, you behave a certain way. And if you're feeling sad, you behave a certain way. How we feel is driving how we are acting. So if we feel desirous for something, it would make sense that the action would be to obtain the thing we desire. This here, what I'm describing is called the now appeal. Something is appealing to your brain now. Those cookies that are your favorite that you love so much, those are appealing to your brain right now. The appeal is knowing that pleasure is available now from the dopamine you would get if you ate the cookies. The now appeal comes from our primal brain, like I was mentioning. It's like, oh, this would feel so good now. Who cares if it's not in alignment with our long-term goals? It would feel good now. That's that primal brain that's acting in that moment, okay? We have a capability called delayability. Our primal brain lives in the moment, but as humans, we have a prefrontal cortex. This part of our brain can think toward the future. It can think for our future benefit. It can think of what goals do I have in the future that doing this in the moment might affect negatively. And this prefrontal cortex, this has charge over our primal brain. This prefrontal cortex has this delayability capability. Meaning despite this now appeal, you have the ability to delay. Now, some of us are more practiced living in the primal brain. So believing that you have this capability to pause, to interrupt between the emotion, the desire, and taking action from it, we usually believe that's too difficult only because we are practiced at living in the primal brain. Using your prefrontal cortex is kind of like exercising a muscle that you just have to continue working to remind yourself, wait a minute, this prefrontal cortex is what's in charge. Think about how as you grow older and you don't get something that you want, you don't necessarily throw tantrums on the ground when this happens. For example, when I was having a surgery done, I couldn't eat for 24 hours beforehand. And essentially there were these foods that I wanted that I couldn't have, but I didn't throw a tantrum. I just let myself want the food knowing, yeah, in the future, if I want to have the surgery and if I want to not die, it's better if I don't eat this right now. And it wasn't a problem. Now, sometimes I think as we grow older, we can throw internal tantrums. They're not like us screaming, crying on the ground, but when we don't get what we want, we can have the internal tantrum. And what I want to offer you in that situation is that that's the primal brain that is throwing this internal tantrum. And that's not the only part of you acting in that moment. Your prefrontal cortex is still in there that has the capability to kind of converse with that primal brain to be like, oh man, I'm so sorry. You didn't get what you wanted. I know that's such a bummer, right? To approach your own brain and your own reaction with love and kindness and compassion and not demonize yourself for having this internal tantrum, but still exercising the part of you that is adult, that has the capability to grow beyond that more adolescent behavior. We can always tell our brain what to do. Even if we only gain some awareness halfway through, if we are eating and we are acting out of control and feeling out of control, but we don't really notice it until we are halfway through, we still have that moment where we can decide, oh, if I'm aware, if I'm just creating some awareness, I have the ability now to tell my brain what to do. So wherever 
you start to become aware in whatever stage of the process, whether it's before you start eating, during, or after, take that opportunity to tell your brain what to do in that moment. So this tip number two is you might have a desire for something, but instead of going straight into the action of eating it, you can interrupt that sequence. Pause and feel the desire without doing anything. Use the example of like, if I were going into surgery and I wanted this, I would be okay with wanting it and not having it. Yeah, you feel me? Tip number three is question that the thought is a lie that you are out of control. If you are in the middle of eating and you are believing this thought I'm out of control, pause. I mean, if you can't tell so far, there's so much power in pausing because it is the prefrontal cortex that's doing it. It is that most high functioning part of you that is exercising its ability to have charge over the brain. Okay. So you're feeling out of control. You pause and you notice that your brain is thinking this thought, I feel out of control right now. Pause and challenge that thought. Even if you keep eating, I want you to know that that thought is a lie. You are never out of control when it comes to food. Even if you keep eating, acknowledge that it's not because you're out of control. It's because you're making a series of decisions. You are choosing to continue to eat because you are in control. The decisions, if you continue to eat, it's not a bad decision. It's just that when you say, I'm choosing to do this, then you move out of the victim focus and into more of an empowered space so that if you wanted to do something differently, you absolutely could. Even if you're eating foods that you didn't plan or if you're eating when you're not hungry, you are choosing to do that. And there's no such thing as a bad choice. But when you can take ownership, there's so much empowerment there. You are always in control. So challenge that thought whenever your brain thinks, I'm out of control here. Challenge it. It's a lie. I promise. Step number four, tip number four is to have a conscious next step. After you've eaten or had the moment all play out, or you've believed that I'm out of control, I want you to have a conscious next mental step. Our inclination is after something like this happens is usually to judge ourselves. And you absolutely can do that. Just notice when I judge myself, how do I feel? And how do I show up when I feel that way? And what result does that create if I'm showing up that way? I think for me, if I eat something that maybe I didn't plan, or maybe I ate something when I wasn't hungry, and I start to judge myself like that was a terrible decision, I end up feeling terrible, or I end up feeling discouraged. And when I'm feeling terrible and discouraged, I don't continue forward with my efforts very well. I kind of slip into the, well, I might as well just not do it at all. And of course, the result of that is that I don't get any closer to my goals. Now, sometimes my brain does do that for a minute and I just allow it to do that. But I'm aware that when I'm judging myself as my next step after something like this, it creates the result of me not being where I want to be. And just having that awareness, like when I do this, this is the result that it creates. How do I want to think about this? So you can judge yourself. You can beat yourself up. You can do whatever it is that you want, but just be aware of what result it creates when you do that. You can also move on. You can question what was going on for you. You can love yourself. You can be extremely curious about what happened. There's not necessarily a right conscious next mental step to take, but I just want you to be deliberate in thinking about it. So regardless of what you choose, having that step mentally in place for what happens after these moments will allow you to exercise that ability that you have to be in charge. It will allow you to be the one to dictate your brain instead of living at the effect of your brain and everything it tells you. Assess what result it creates and what next step you want to employ in these moments. Notice it, okay? All of this, when you can utilize these four tips, it can take you from a victim focus to food to an informed focus. 
When you are a victim to food, you believe it just happens to you. You have no control. You believe these things, right? But when you come from an informed focus, as you relate to food, you can just be informed that you have certain beliefs and you can separate those beliefs from the food and you can watch those beliefs when they come up in your brain. Be like, oh, I'm just receiving some information that my brain thinks that this food is irresistible. I'm receiving the information that my brain thinks that I have no control here, that I am weak to this thing. Okay, so now I can be informed about these thoughts that are swimming around in my head. Now what? You can be informed when you have a desire for something and allow for that desire to be there without acting on it. I have an episode when the urge to emotionally eat is strong. It's episode 83 that talks so much more about this and on how to allow those urges. But this is what we do with information is it's like, oh, I'm receiving the information that I'm having some desire for that. And there, there has to be a pause here. Remember, this is the power of the pause to be able to experience these things for yourself and consciously take a pause to register the information, to assess the information. You have the ability to pause and not act on impulse. Instead, you can just take all the information of the thoughts and the feelings that you're experiencing and be with it for a minute. Watch it, observe it, and be present with it without judgment. Allow it to be there and know that it's not a problem. We don't have to act on our desire every time. Even though it might feel urgent and it might feel like we have to, if your brain believes that you have to act on something, that's also a lie because you are always in control. So if you feel out of control around food, that's a lie that your brain picked up somewhere and it's not true. You are always in control. And I promise you, you have so much more capability than you even believe when it comes to food. So trust yourself and allow yourself just to be informed about what you're thinking and how you're feeling powerful stuff. If you are interested in working more on this and diving deeper into how to create that informed focus without immediately acting on that desire, you can apply to work with me privately one-on-one. The link for the application for a free consultation is in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you next time.